You're listening to a Bridge to Balance podcast, where we take on the most current mental health issues, have an open dialogue, and offer ideas to help create a bridge to finding your balance. I am Kim Finney, a licensed therapist and social worker. And I'm Julie Furtis, and I'm also a licensed therapist and social worker. We're the owners of Bridge to Balance, and together we have over 40 years of experience in mental health. Our purpose is helping to support others in their personal journeys. We look forward to sharing today's topic with you. Welcome back, everyone, to a Bridge to Balance podcast, and welcome to any new listeners who may be tuning in for the first time today. Um, We are very fortunate to have with us another one of our Bridge to Balance clinicians here to talk about a, a topic, actually a topic that we've we've talked about before, um, but one that we want to talk about and share again. So we have Jennifer Mills here with us to talk about mindfulness, but today she'll be talking about mindfulness for the middle school years. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. So Jen, if you could tell us, okay, what... Um, what is mindfulness? So for our listeners that haven't tuned in before to our previous podcast, what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is um, a skill. Um, it's the ability to pay attention to what's happening in the present moment. And you're paying attention to the present moment non-judgmentally, um, also with curiosity, kindness, um, and with flexibility as well. So um, you're either being tuned into what's going on inside of you or outside of you, and then using that awareness to live the best life that you could live. So why do you believe mindfulness is particularly useful for working with middle schoolers? I, um, I most definitely think mindfulness is a skill helpful for all humans, um, but for middle school students, there was actually a couple studies published, um, like newer studies in 2019 by MIT, and it showed um, it improved academic achievement in middle schoolers. I think this was sixth graders. And it also reduced stress and just overall helped them academically and um, also improve their mental health as well. But I guess to be a little bit more specific, mindfulness can help improve intention um, or attention, excuse me, emotional regulation. So mindfulness can help you Um, help middle schoolers respond to what they're experiencing rather than react to it. So it helps them use their um, upper part of their brain that is still developing. So that's really cool. Mindfulness helps um, middle schoolers with the part of the brain that's still growing. And then they build uh, greater compassion and, like I said before, reduce stress and anxiety. So what are some of the challenges from your experience in working with middle schoolers um, that they face that's unique to those years versus, you know, younger elementary or high school? That's a great question. I feel like it's a similar answer now, but a little bit different because of COVID. When I talk to middle school students now, I feel like they're going through similar difficulties before COVID hit, but I feel like it's a little bit more like amped up or emphasize, um, you know, test anxiety, um, to their academic performance in general, dealing with different social situations that can arise in middle school. I think in the elementary school years, not that everyone's friends with everyone, because I once was an elementary school counselor, and there definitely is challenges with friendships in elementary school years, but in middle school, it's more of like, 
groups are forming, you're more aware of what people are saying and doing. So I guess in summary, um, middle school students have school stress, but also stress that comes from their social life as well. Mm. Yeah, and I, I have a daughter who's in middle school, and so it's interesting when I think about that aspect, that social aspect, and I do think, especially in the middle school years, there tends to be a lot of, whether we say judgments or just everybody is so um, aware of what other people are thinking and or what other people are saying, and I just, to me, it's... it. It can be, I think, overwhelming for students um, or for the middle school students and and a reactivity that seems to be mm-hmm. much higher yeah. in middle school than than in other years. Yeah. Also, technology. Um, I feel like this might be a byproduct or a result of COVID or like, like I said, like emphasized because of it. You know, middle school students are transitioning or not transitioning. They're in person now but transitioning out of being at home in that online school environment. And so like dealing with, okay, I need to stop playing my video games or stop using social media and do my homework or do school tasks. Um, That's also another problem as well. I think all students struggle with that. So with the topic of social skills and the middle school years, what would be an example for our listeners that would Talk about the difference between a mindless approach to a social situation versus a mindful approach to social situations. I'm sure we've all been there where we said something or did something. Later on, we were reflecting upon it and saying, oh, that really hurt that person's feelings or what I did there made me feel even worse. So for a middle school student, um, maybe in a social situation, they might feel really overcome with anger or frustration. Maybe they heard that there's this quote like rumor being spread about them or just something going on. There's some sort of problem with a friend or friends or your classmates. And like I said, maybe they're overcome with anger or frustration and they might like react to that. Um, kind of like what we were talking about before. And so they might say or do something that may not be the most helpful for them or um, those that they're surrounded by. So I guess a mindless example would be, yeah, kind of like hurting someone's feelings in school. But a mindful example, and I actually, if I could share an example, one little boy in middle school told me because of learning mindfulness and um, being uh, able to be aware of what he was feeling in the moment, he was able to walk away from a situation. Um, he said if it wasn't for mindfulness, he probably, I think he honestly said he probably would have hit that person. Like he was able to like almost like take that time out that um, he needed to take, realizing how he felt, how his body felt, and he was able to walk away. So I feel like that's a mindful moment for a middle school student. So what, in that in that exact example, what had you worked on with him in terms of mindfulness that maybe a, a particular exercise or exercises that actually helped him to be able to accomplish that? I used the zones of regulation curriculum with him, um, which in it includes mindfulness, as well as I taught him um, some neuroscience techniques. So this client in particular knew about the different parts of his brain. He knew the term a lot of clinicians or therapists use um, because it's so amazing. It's flipping your lid. Um, He knew 
what his body felt like or would feel like when he was about to flip his lid. So knowing what his brain was doing in the moment and also knowing um, like from zones of regulation, what zone he was in. So that just helps someone to identify how they're feeling emotionally and also their energy levels. So he was able to really um, utilize that information, that education to um, say, oh, I'm noticing I'm in the yellow zone or I'm starting to feel worked up in my body. I'm noticing my hands are in fists or I'm sweating. Um, I'm about to flip my lid. Um, let me walk away. Um, so I think that definitely those two um, skills helped him. So in general, what would you say is the difference between being mindless and mindful? I think mindfulness is like a toothbrush for your mind. So it's definitely, like I said, a skill um, or like a practice you need to keep working on and improving. Um, So as humans, our minds will wander, our minds will get consumed or fused with what we're going through. And so I guess if I was talking to a middle school student, I would say being mindless is like being human and living, but you're also like being glued to your experiences, your thoughts, your feelings. Being mindful is kind of like unglue yourself. I guess you could unglue yourself. I use the word um, hooking and unhooking. So being mindless is like you're hooking onto how you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through. And then being mindful is almost like taking a step back and kind of observing or noticing what you're going through, what you're thinking and feeling and being able to respond to that um, in a way that would help you. So talk about the connection, if you would, between mindfulness and the brain and how it relates to the middle school years, because you've brought that up already a little bit. So what's the connection? Well, um, there's a lot of changes in your adolescent years. So that starts when you're 14. Um, but before that, your brain and body are still, they're, they're def- most definitely growing um, and, and um, um, changing. And mindfulness helps, like I said before, build um, executive functioning skills. Um, which is the upper part of your brain. Um, So Dr. Dan Siegel says your house is like a brain. So you could say downstairs and upstairs. The downstairs, if you could see my hand, it's upon my hand and my thumb. Um, Upstairs of your brain house is um, my fingers. And when you're feeling um, content, calm, when you're being mindful, your fingers are over your palm and your thumb. So you're able to make good decisions. Um, And that is because your fingers represent your... um, part of it anyway, your middle two fingers, um, uh, your prefrontal cortex. And that is almost like you could say like a wise owl, that your wise owl helps you make good decisions. And your palm or my palm and thumb represent the feeling part of your brain. You could think there's like a watchdog down there looking out for danger. So sometimes we flip our lid, like I said before, and I say like our wise owl flies away. We're not able to make good decisions. Um, So mindfulness helps us to, you know, either for the middle schooler, realize they're about to flip their lid, their wise owl is about to fly away. So they respond with doing what they need to do to make sure that they stay feeling calm and content and able to make good decisions. I think of that marshmallow test. I feel like that's really popular on social media, like way back in Stanford, it was through Stanford. And the, I think it was five-year-olds were giving with a marshmallow. And if you waited so long, you got a second marshmallow. Or I think it was like a marshmallow or a pretzel, pretzel stick. But not to say that if your child waits for the second marshmallow, they're all of a sudden going to like go to an Ivy League school. But if they waited, um, 
they were using the thinking part of their brain. So mindfulness can help, I guess, help five-year-olds wait for that second marshmallow, but it can really help delay gratification, make good decisions. I could go on and on talking about mindfulness. Um, It's really helpful. Yeah, and I think maybe some of the, what really would highlight that too, is just the reality that the, whether we call it the feelings part of the brain, right, develops first, so yeah. for the adolescent brain, it, it's not always as easy to access the thinking part of the brain um, or the prefrontal cortex. So that, you know, with mindfulness, we're, we're kind of working, as you said, like practicing or working on a skill to help adolescents become more aware and maybe a little less reactive, which is a very natural instinct for them. Yeah, yeah. Like there's furniture all in the bottom half of your brain house, and there's still it's still being decorated up top. But mindfulness helps that process. Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy. <laughs> I can't can't take credit. <laughs> it makes me think of helping them to be able to access that something that's there, but not used as often as yeah. it will be at some point, right? So mindfulness helps to provides a path, right? A clearer path, a more stable routine path to access that part of their brain and therefore to kind of stand out in a way from their peers because they're not acting like their peers, right? Who are more reactive versus mindful in what they're doing, what they're saying, it also helps for um, mindfulness and empathy, I think, is a big topic. And the middle school years, right, and how every middle schooler could <laughs> um, get an extra dose of empathy from their peers, right? Um, it can be a tough couple of years. Empathy is something also that kind of develops, right, over time. And so can you talk about that a little bit? mindfulness and empathy and the middle school years and how that kind of comes together? Yeah. Um, so uh, our brain acts like a muscle. Um, it's an organ, but it acts like a muscle. We know now that the more you do something, um, it gets stronger. Just like if you were to run, your leg muscles will get really strong um, and powerful. Um, the more you do something over and over again, the more powerful that um, is in your brain neurons that fire together, wire together, which, you know, you could also say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So um, being mindful, um, and it's not, I'm not talking about like formal, like mindfulness meditation practice. And I'm, I'm, mindfulness is, like I said, like I said, it's skills to help you be aware of what's going on inside of you. And then outside of you, which includes what your friends, family, what people around you are going through. Um, so it helps you to see what someone else is going through and then um, use that upper part of your brain to think about, well, how can I help them? What can I do to be of help to someone else? I see what they're going through. I feel what they're going through. I, I feel empathetic to what they're going through. I guess like a example would be if two friends are in an argument, um, so I'm not talking about bullying. I'm talking about two friends in an argument. Sometimes that happens. Using mindfulness could look like um, that person, maybe not necessarily putting their hand over their heart, but like tuning into their body, noticing how their body feels. Oh, I'm having a thought that my friend is acting in a really disrespectful way. 
And so they're creating some distance and unhooking from what they're thinking. And then they can say, oh, I'm noticing my friend's head down. They're looking away from me. I'm noticing this, you know, their body's looking a certain way. That might mean that they're feeling upset. Like I am also feeling upset. They're also feeling upset. So it can help resolve conflict, care for your friends. So with empathy, it allows, and mindfulness practice, it allows someone to step back from kind of the crowd and kind of the emotional part or the unthoughtful part of what's happening and kind of tune into themselves and relate themselves to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think even having awareness for what's happening around you, right? So having awareness in terms of your experience and what's happening, but also in your example, Jen, noticing maybe what's happening for a friend and and taking the time to think about that or notice that and then being able to approach the situation rather than just reacting to it. Yeah, absolutely. So in the group that you're going to run this summer um, for middle schoolers to teach them mindfulness and meaningful mindfulness for their age group, can you talk about what topics, what exercises, what, um, what things that participants will be learning in the group and your kind of goals for what they'll walk away with as a result? My hope is that the participants will walk away with a toolkit to use um, when they need to use it. So tangible tools to take away from the group and also hopefully relating to other individuals their age, realizing they're not the only one going through what they're going through. Also knowing, you know, these practices are not, I don't want to say they're not easy, but you definitely need to work on them. And sometimes hearing someone else's experiences with practicing mindfulness can be quite wonderful. Um, So the tangible tools look like learning about what mindfulness is, learning about how to tune into what's happening around you. And that could be um, like, we'll start with like mindful listening. So I'll maybe like when it's a chime, I have a chime and they might listen to it. I'm always going to end with that. So we'll learn that first and we'll just keep doing it throughout the session. So mindful listening um, to the sounds around you, using all your five senses to pay attention to what's happening around you. And then learning mindfulness skills that tune inward to what you're experiencing. So my hope would be that maybe someone joins sixth grade student feeling quite anxious. I know they're taking standardized testing now, at least some people are. It'll be in the summertime. So they'll start the school year next year with these tools and, and be able to apply this next year with standardized testing, but be able to know how to respond rather than react to their feelings of anxiety. So not being overcome by emotion, but rather feeling almost like, oh, what do I need right now in this moment? I'm noticing I'm feeling quite anxious. So you just spoke about what you want the participants or what you hope the participants will be walking away with as a result of participating in the group. How are you going to accomplish that? How are they going to get to that point? What What is week after week kind of going to involve to help participants to walk away with that? That's a very good question. Participants will learn how to practice mindfulness and they'll do that in session. So there'll be an opportunity to listen to what the skill is of the week. 
be able to all practice it together, be able to all practice through their experiences together. And then, like I said before, be able to take that skill, that tool, put it in their toolbox and leave. So I'm, I might start um, with like the first I think session, I'll be like, raise your hand if you've ever said something you didn't mean when you felt really angry or raise your hand if you've ever felt really anxious before a test. So we're all coming together, um, learning that we're all going through something similar and then learning a skill like, like mindful listening or mindful eating or um, learning how to unhook from our thoughts and feelings. That'll be another session. Um, as well. So I'm really excited for the group. I hope people sign up. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to be teaching a lot of really helpful things. And I don't know for anyone who's ever done or maybe hasn't done, but I always say doing mindful eating is it's such a different experience. And so I, I always encourage the opportunity for people to learn that or to experience what mindful eating is. Just crazy, like how different it is to do a mindful eating exercise rather than um, how we, and I always say, kind of mindlessly eat mm-hmm. our food or rush through our meals and things like yeah. that. So Yeah. I will say that I, I also hope um, participants learn to understand what they're going through a little bit more. And so if they have thoughts that are negative, like I'm going to fail this exam or I'm going to make a mistake at the band concert, um, hopefully realizing that they could observe, um, label that thought, allow it to stay, come, go, do whatever what it needs to do, but create that distance from that experience as well. Because I think in middle school, that definitely could be happening to students, lower self-esteem, um, overcome with anxiety or insecurity. So I hope that that's another takeaway too. too. Um, I ran a group before kind of focused on taming your inner critic. And I kind of asked, I asked the both of you if I could make it more general about mindfulness, but that's also another big goal of mine in the group. Okay. Is there anything you would like to leave us with today and our listeners as it relates to what mindfulness is and how mindfulness will benefit middle schoolers. Oh yeah, absolutely. May I read a poem? Absolutely. (laughs) It's, It's by Rumi and it's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, the momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Wow, that's really captures kind of this idea of mindfulness and awareness and accepting whatever does come our way, um, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today and, and sharing about mindfulness and talking about the group that you're going to be running this summer. I think it's going to be great. I think any 
mindfulness group, especially one for the middle school years, is going to be so helpful um, to just students, to kids who are out there um, to learn a little bit more about awareness and being able to experience life as it comes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to a Bridge to Balance podcast. It's been a really tough year and no one is alone. There are a million stories out there and we'd like to invite you to share your story with us. Or if you want us to tackle a specific mental health issue, please drop us an email at info at and that's bridge to balance with the number two.